0: Good morning. (laughs) Thank you. Let's give Jesus all the praise. Come on, let's give Him praise. We love You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Hey, I want to just say thank You, thank You. I want to say what a thrill it is to be back. But I also want to say welcome Hamilton Mill Midtown. They're live with us right now in our service, and all of you. Online, who don't have to wear masks, who don't have to socially distance. Let's give them all a welcome, warm welcome, as they join us as well. (laughs) And all of you socially distanced, mask wearing fanatics that came to church this morning, I love you. I appreciate you. It's good to preach to a live audience for the first time in three and a half months, and I'm so excited to have you here. Well, we are uh in a series called advent and and of course pastor johnson has been uh ministering the last two weeks on that subject by the way can i just say how proud i am of pastor johnson and summer Bowie, (laughs) who have taken the reins of this church back in august and led us through this incredible season of time difficult time and of course i'm also extremely proud of my brother Randy and Sherry Cochran at Hamilton Mill, and Mo and Kendra at Midtown, and all of our staff that has held things together and just kept this church moving forward. And also, I'm so proud of you because I I just want you to know not only is your giving at the Christmas gift to the world has been amazing, but also just through the year, do you know that in 2020, our giving this year has been much greater than the year before in a pandemic? with people not being able to come to church, your giving has continued. And that is especially attributed not only to you, but also all of you that stay with us online. Some of you have not been here in nine months. You've not been in the building in nine months. And and I get that, I understand the the fear that's out there, the, the, the carefulness that many people have to have because of family members and so forth. Uh, but you all know, and those of you that are in the building, it is difficult to, to translate what happens inside the building to a person's home. But today we're going to do that. Today we're going to do that. Those of you that are home, listen to me. I want you to I want you to pay close attention. And whatever we do here, I want you to do in your house, because here's what I know: that when you follow the, the, the things that God's doing, going to share with you what I'm going to share with you this morning. What I'm gonna talk to you about today is a game changer. It's a game changer. I was here yesterday, I have old habits die hard, and one of my habits for almost 30 years was to come to the church on Saturday mornings and pray before the weekend services. And uh, yesterday, I just got up, my normal time, I get up about five or six o'clock in the morning and I said, I'm going to the church to pray. I don't care if anybody's there, and it's gonna kinda take me back almost 25 years ago, 30 years ago when nobody would come to pray and and I would just come by myself. So I walked in the building uh, just a little after eight. uh, Most of the people that were here were working at the chapel doing some work over there. So I walked down here in the sanctuary, the lights were off, I turned them on. And I walked through this sanctuary and I started praying and I laid hands on every chair that's in this sanctuary. So wherever you're sitting, I laid hands on them, and I'm, I, what I learned about that is it takes a long time. <laughs> There's a lot of chairs in here to lay hands on every chair, and I also laid hands on every chair in the lobby, all the lobbies, everywhere I could get into, I laid hands on them because I figured some people, all of you that are sitting in the, in the very back, like in the back row, like behind the stadium seating, you're the, you, did you lay hands on them? Yes, I did. I laid hands back there too, and what I did, I, the reason I laid hands on there is because I said, Lord... This weekend, it's a a critical weekend in this Advent season. And I want everybody that comes to church and all of of you that are watching online because I spent about 30 minutes just praying for people in their homes that the most important feature uh, in this Advent season is understanding the presence of God, the presence of God. Now, the reason I say that is because right now we are in unprecedented times unprecedented times, perhaps the most tumultuous year of all of our lives. In fact, uh, Time Magazine, their, their most recent cover, this is their cover, 2020 with a big X across it, the worst year ever. We are living through the worst year ever. Now, I know it's not the worst year in the history of the world, I know that, but in our lifetime... Can you think of a year where it's been more challenging, more difficult? Uh, I can in my lifetime. And and I know that a lot of you have gone through some stuff. Some of you have have had some real trouble. Some of you've lost your jobs. Some of you've lost loved ones. Uh, Some of you are just challenged mentally through this whole process. In fact, I was reading some statistics from the CDC. And these are just recent statistics that just came out. And they said 40% of all Americans are currently grappling with mental health issues since since COVID, and 28% of all Americans are fighting clinical depression. In other words, they're having to actually medicate themselves. But here's the one that really shocked me. 75% of young adults are battling with uh, some form or some level of depression, indicating to me that the younger generation is having a harder time with this than the older generation. And the reality is, is most of you are younger. Even if you got COVID, you probably wouldn't have serious symptoms. Most of you wouldn't. And yet, most this is the age bracket that's suffering with depression the most. One in four young adults, they say, battles with the thought of taking their life every 30 days. This is serious. and so I, And I don't want to take that lightly because I could be talking to somebody right now I could be talking to somebody online, I could be talking to somebody at Hamilton Mill Midtown or even here that has thro- thought of those things. In Japan, they said in the month of October, more people took their lives, committed suicide, than COVID took the entire year in Japan. An all-time high of addictions, any kind of addiction. If you had an addiction going into COVID, it just exasperated, it made it worse. and so. Generally speaking, we're dealing with a, a, a we're trying to navigate a gravitational pull that's really pulling people down and in the world. And here we are trying to do christmas we're trying to do advent, and most of us won't travel to see our families. Most of us struggle even to be around our families now, and we're in this advent season. So I thought Johnson did a great job the first two weeks talking about. Advent, I'm gonna remind you what Advent means. Advent means Advent means coming, it's about a celebration of the coming of Christ. And there's actually two elements to it. There's the first coming and then there is the second coming. So I wanna just for a moment go back to the candles and if I could ask Pastor Randy and Sherry and also Pastor Mo and Kendra if you could go and also help me with the lighting of this third candle because we already talked about the first two candles. The first candle was the candle of hope which was called the prophet's candle, and it talked about the hope of the coming Messiah. The second candle was the Bethlehem candle, and it was the candle of faith, basically believing that everything that God has promised will come to pass. And then this third, we come to this third candle. Now, what's unique about the third candle, and we don't really have a depiction of this the way most people celebrate Advent, so I'm just gonna get you to use your imagination, Because in most celebrations of the advent with the four candles, the third candle is a different color. Usually, it's a pink candle, and the pink represents the the philosophy or the theme of what that candle is about, and it represents the subject of joy. And it's the joy, basically, that the Messiah has arrived, and then there is the joy that he is not only coming, but he's about to fulfill all prophecy. So we're going to go ahead and light this candle, because this is the third candle, and in this third candle, and hopefully it'll stay lit during the service, but if it goes out, don't let your joy go out, okay? <laughs> but this subject of joy is a deep subject. Now, I thought Pastor Johnson did a great job last week, what he talked about, about how we're, we're coming into this season of Christ, which is, a, if you go back, uh, almost 2,020 years ago, which is when Christ was born. And if you think about it, just just think about that. 2020 is the Gregorian calendar that marks the shifting of time, where we had time before B.C., before Christ, and then we had time after Christ, Adonai, which is the, the year of the Lord, the birth of Christ. And everything in the world shifted in that moment when Jesus was born, so that all of time stopped and then it started again. Can you just imagine you are born, your personal life is born, and they changed the whole world's time system based on your birth. That's how powerful it was that Christ was born. And What's amazing to me is even in communist countries, non-believing countries, secularist countries, everywhere in the world, that that functions, still functions primarily off this Gregorian calendar that's based on the birth of Jesus, the birth of Christ. But this birth of Christ comes at a moment when I think most of us don't feel it, don't recognize the dynamics of this moment, of 400 years of silence from God, where God had not spoken to people or been involved heavily in people's lives for 400 years. Years between the Old Testament and what we're about to see is the New Testament. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine even our nation going 20 years with no churches, no preaching of the gospel, no prayers, no knowledge of God? We're we're getting to experience one year, about one year, where there's a lot of people that don't go to church for just one year, and you see how it affects people. Can you imagine 400 years of nothing? Where is God? Why why is he not speaking to us? Why don't we have a relationship with God? And then this coming, this advent, this moment where Christ is born, and now for the first time in 400 years, the presence of God is back in the earth. And the power of the Holy Spirit is coming into the earth. And this is why this, these candles represent different features of this moment. And this third candle represents this feature called joy. Now, joy is not a feeling. And this is where people mess up because they think sometimes that joy is all about feelings. But joy is not a feeling. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is not based on how things are going in your life. Joy is something that's inside you, it's a force, it's a spiritual force that enables you to go through stuff, to weather stuff with the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah would say it, the joy of the Lord is my strength my strength to hold on to God's promises when everything is falling apart. All right, so now Isaiah comes on the scene, and if you could, you could see this. Isaiah is one of the many prophets that prophesied about the coming of Christ. There are approximately 400 prophecies that have something to do with Christ in the Old Testament. About 100 of them were being fulfilled as the people were watching Christ being born in a manger, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin. All these things were prophesied hundreds, and in some cases, even thousands of years ahead of time. But Isaiah the prophet is about 700 years ahead of Christ. And here's what he says in Isaiah chapter 61. This is what he says in verse one. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, if you've ever read the Bible and you've studied the Bible, if you look through the Bible, you will see that this particular prophecy of Isaiah, which was 700 years ahead of Christ's time, was also the prophecy that Jesus quotes when he comes out of the desert and starts his earthly ministry. The first thing out of his mouth is this prophecy, Isaiah chapter 61. And he's basically saying, if you have been brokenhearted, I'm about to heal your broken heart. If you've been wounded, If you've been mourning, I'm about to give you something that's going to replace that mourning to lift you up. I'm going to encourage you. If you've been going through trouble, just know that I'm about to come alongside you and help you walk through this trouble. If you've been bound by something, addicted to something, I'm about to set you free. He's saying, I'm about to change the dynamics of your life if you will get in line with who I am, if you will receive me not a religious Jesus, a relationship with Jesus where you allow me to come in through the power of the Holy Spirit and completely reorder your life. Now, if there was ever a time for people right now to be reordered, now is the time. I look at at this COVID moment as a reset moment. I look at it as a prophetic reset moment where we're really finding out who we are and what we really believe. Did you hear what I just said? Did all of you online hear what I just said? Did all of you at Hamilton Mill in Midtown? It's a moment where you really discover, do I really believe in Jesus? Am I really his, 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 is he really my Lord? Am I really connected to him all the way through? All right, so Jesus now is on the scene. And right before he leaves, he, he's talking to his disciples, and he gives this long story, another prophetic word, of something that's coming, that's something that's ha- going to happen. Now, this prophetic word had two levels of when it was going to happen. It was going to happen in about 70 years, and then it was going to happen probably another 2,000 years later. And it was going to magnify in the last part of it. But I'm going to read it to you. And then you can decide if we are in any of those times. This is Matthew 24, I mean, it's a long verse. And those of you that are online, this is not your time to go get something to eat or drink or check out with me. I want you to follow, because this is a prophetic, this is a prophetic word, all right? Look what he says. He says, later when they arrived at the Mount of Olives, his disciples came, his disciples came privately to where he was sitting and said, when, all the, when will these things happen? In other words, when is this all going to culminate? In other words, really, they were saying, when is this going to be over? And what supernatural sign should we expect to signal your coming, your advent coming, and the completion of this age? And Jesus answered, at that time, deception will run rampant. That sounds like today. So beware that you're not fooled. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am God's anointed and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears. All right, look at me. Don't panic or give in to your fears. I'm going to say it one more time. Don't panic or give in to your fears for the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen all right so just pause for a moment and think about that in other words no matter who is the president of the united states of america no matter who runs the congress no matter who runs the supreme court no matter who does what there is a destiny to the end times and no matter what you think you can do to control that you cannot control that god is sovereign he is in control and no matter how difficult things get, you have to understand, he will see you through it. So don't allow things like that to dictate to you how you think and how you live. All right. Then he says, <clears throat> but it won't, be, it won't yet be the end. It will be, still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against each other and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be terrible earthquakes, seismic events, <clears throat> Uh. Seismic events of epic proportion, horrible epidemics. Epidemics are pandemics, horrible epidemics and famines in place after place. This is how the first contractions and birth pains of the new age will begin. You can expect it to be, you can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all the nations because of your love for me then many, this is important, will stop following me and fall away. And they will betray one another and hate one another. That particular verse sticks deep inside of me as a pastor. That's the one I want to make sure I give you every opportunity to not that, for that not to happen to you. All right, then he says here, and many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. By the way, a prophet is not just a preacher, not just a spiritual man. It could be a politician. It can be a business person. It could be a news media leader. It could be anybody. It could be a false prophet. And I think we put way, way too much uh, stock in what people say instead of what God says. All right. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness... That those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. That's the first candle. Yet through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of the age will arrive. So Jesus is telling us, he's all right, look guys, I need to prepare you because I'm about to leave. I need to prepare you because you're about to go through some times that you're not prepared for. And then, Now if you study history, you'll see that every one of the people he was talking to, almost every one of them lost their lives as a martyr. Some of them were hung upside down on crosses, some of them were burned at the stake, some were sawn in half, some were drawn by horses apart. All of the apostles at some point were martyred. John was the only one that survived the martyrdom, but he was thrown in a pot of boiling oil and supernaturally survived it. But every one of them died a martyr's death way before their their time. And literally thousands of Christians would be martyred going forward into the next 70 years. In 70 AD, it was a massive martyrdom. And it was the type and shadow of the end times of what was going to come. And he was trying to prepare the church for difficult times. He said, but in the midst of all this, there's going to be a remnant. Everybody say remnant. Remnant. A remnant of people who really know Jesus, who really believe in Jesus, and through the joy, they will persevere through these trials, and they will lead masses of people to Christ in the midst of all this. I don't know about you, but I wanna be one of those. Come on, I wanna be one of those people. Do you wanna be one of those people? Some you, yes, yes, I wanna be one. You're not gonna be one of those people like that. You're, you're gonna have to get a little bit more intense. As the intensity of the world ramps up, you gotta ramp up the intensity of God inside you. It's greater who's in you than anything that's happening in this world. You got the Holy Spirit. God living on the inside of you. And if God is for you, it doesn't matter what's against you. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I want you to remember that the next time you start whining about what's going on in your life. All right? So they begin to understand this, that it's going to ha- I'm going to have to rely on joy. I'm going to have to get this joy thing down. Now, right before Jesus ascends to heaven, he, he drops some heavy words on his, depo- on his apostles as he gets ready to go. And here's what he says to his followers at this time. This is John 15:11. "These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full." Then he says in verse 13 of chapter 17, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure, everybody say full measure, the full measure of my joy within them. And then the famous scripture, John 10, 10, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill and to destroy, but I've come that you have a life and have it to the full. All right, so let me ask you a question. Let me just ask you a question. How are you doing with that? How full are you right now? How full are you? Is it possible that your joy gauge has been depleted? Is it possible that you could have allowed some things to get into your life that have brought your joy level down and increased your depression or your de- or, or, or anguish over life or mourning or whatever, and it happens to the best of us, I don't care how good you are, there are moments in our time where we forget, we forget about joy. And so James reminds us, I like James. Do y'all like James the Bible's, the, the J- James in the Bible? I like James because James is just, I, this is me personally, I just like somebody to tell it to me straight. I don't need all this flowery language, beat around the bush, and get to it, you figure it out someday. I wanna know what does God say, amen, come on. Y'all, y'all, y'all with me right now? I know, I, I know I'm that way and I like that way. Not everybody likes that way but I like that way. And here's what James says. Here's what he says in James chapter 1, verse 2. My fellow believers, is that you guys? When it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. In other words, the more difficult life gets, You've got to learn how to count on joy because joy is what's going to take you through this thing. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. You didn't know it was in you, but it is in you. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. I tell you right now, what he says right now is COVID year 2020 could be the best thing that ever happened to you. I heard somebody tell me this one time, and it really stuck with me. He said, sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you can turn into the best thing that ever happened to you. It's not that it's good while you're going through it. It's horrible. It's terrible. It's, depressing. it's It's got anguish, it's got pain, it's got suffering. But when you get on the other side of it, you can be completely transformed by this terrible experience into a better person. Sometimes we need a little difficulty to challenge us When everything is going right, we tend to kind of slack off from God. We tend to not pray as much. We tend not read the Bible as much, go to church as much. When everything's going good, and this is why so many Americans are depressed, because things have been going pretty good until recently. Things were humming along. And now, boom, we got all these problems, and people are freaking out. They're freaking out. And they're looking for somebody, somebody they can trust, something they can trust in. And they can't find it in politicians. They can't find it in their jobs. They can't find it in their family members. And they can't find it in their friends. Where are they gonna find it? I'm gonna tell you where you're gonna find it. You're gonna find it in Jesus. He's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Sometimes I just wanna do a little bit of this. You know what I'm talking about? I I get a little... Sorry. It's been a while since I've been in church. Sometimes I just get a little something going on, going inside of me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? All right, you and I are living in victory to the degree that we're living with joy. Did you hear what I just said? You and I are living in victory to the degree that you're living with joy. This is why the devil goes after your joy. He knows if he can steal your joy, he can steal your goods. He can steal anything he wants. If he gets you down where you have negative confessions, negative feelings, emotions, all that kind of stuff, everything's filtered through the negativity of your life, he knows you will never enjoy the beautiful promises of God. He knows if you can turn your heart away from God and get it absorbed with some of the other things in the world, that you will lose your joy, and no matter how many things you get in this world, you'll never be fulfilled. Only through Jesus can you find joy, And only through Jesus, listen to me, all you watching online especially, because I know there's many of you that watch online, you're still kind of trying to decide about God, trying to decide about Jesus. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Without Jesus, you will never have joy. You will never be fulfilled. It will never Nothing in this world, no human being, no amount of money, no matter of fun, no matter of anything that will always leave you wanting. There's only one way that will not leave you wanting. It's through Jesus Christ who fills you with the fullness of joy. Now it's important to distinguish the difference between joy and happiness because you know we're all about pursuing happiness, pursuing happiness. That's our inalienable right in America to pursue happiness. Can I tell you something? When you pursue happiness, you will always be wanting. You will always fall short because happiness is not what we're supposed to be pursuing. We're supposed to be pursuing God. And when you pursue God, you will experience happiness, but it won't be always because happiness is not always. Happiness depends on favorable circumstances, while joy is independent of circumstances. Happiness is based on how you feel today. Joy is based on the power of the Holy Spirit. Happiness leaves you in in times of trouble. When trouble comes, happiness goes right out the door. Not in a good mood today, not very happy because of the trouble I'm going, nobody knows the troubles I have seen, joy guides you in times of trouble. Happiness is connected to the state of your relationships, the state of your finances, the state of your health, the state of your career. All those things produce or decrease happiness in our lives. Joy is connected to your relationship with God. It's not, it's interdependent. It's not dependent on any of those things. You can lose all of those things, and still have joy. Happiness is temporal, subject to change. Joy is eternal. It never changes. Happiness leaves you always wanting more. Joy leaves you always fulfilled. Can you imagine? Listen, can you imagine living your life always fulfilled? No matter what you're going through, no matter where you've been, what you're dealing with, all right, so how do I get joy? How do I activate? I'm gonna give you real three things real quick, and I want you to write these down. Number one, you gotta make an influence shift in your life. Now, I want you to think about your day-to-day life. When you get up in the morning, what do you do? What's your, what's your routine? You don't change anything in your life until you change your routine. Did you hear what I just said? And when you get a routine... It's hard to change it. Once you kind of get into a rhythm of how you do stuff, you get up in the morning, you do the certain things, you eat the certain things, you look at certain things. Some people, when they get up, the first thing they do is they turn on their phone or they turn on their iPad, and they look at social media. They look at social media to see what's going on, get their news from social media. Can you imagine getting your news from social media? I can, listen, this is the scary thing about social media. This is uh, this is a scary thing about influence. Remember when Donald Trump said one time he said I could stand in the city streets of New York shoot somebody and they'd still vote for me. Remember when he said that? There are stupid people out there that will vote for anybody that gives them what they want, all right? I could literally go online, post some crazy fanatical conspiracy theory, but because people trust me, they would believe it. And it would have nothing to do with the word of God. Are you following me? So that's danger. That's dangerous influence. All right, think about what influences you, the influence of social media, the influence of your relationships, the influence uh, of entertainment, the influence of news media. All these things are shaping the minds of humanity, and Christians are getting caught up in all these things and replacing the word with these things. And their word life has depleted, their praise life has depleted, their worship life has depleted, their prayer life has depleted, because they're looking at all these things. If you want the joy of the Lord, you will never find it watching the news, looking at social media, talking to people, uh, getting in situations, in entertainment, none of those things, they will all deplete your joy. It's not that you can't ever do those things, but when those things take the place of your pursuit of the presence of God, your joy level will go down. I found that to be true for me. I know if I watch the news too long, man, I got to go, I got to have a complete break away from it for a while. Aren't you afraid you don't know what's going on? The news is nothing but a soap opera. I have found, look. I have found the same things I was looking at on the news nine months ago are the same things I'm looking at the news today. Uh, Isn't that true? The world is still all about politics. It's all about COVID. It's all about racism. it's it's, It's a revolving door of bad news. The only place you can find joy is in the Word of God. Show me your friends, let me show me your friends, and I can tell you what kind of person you are and what kind of joy you have you hang hanging around a bunch of depressed people, you are not going to get joyful. You got a parent that's always dogging you, it's going to bring your joy level. Why do you keep calling them? (laughs) Because they're my mama, because they're my daddy. I told my mama one time, she was a very depressed person. She had a lot of negativity. I said, mama, you got to get some, you got to deal with this depression. I said, "This, this thing is not only taking you down, it's taking the whole family down. And, I, and when I get in conversations with her, she started going negative. I said, Mom, the conversation's over. I love you, but I ain't going down that path. I'm not going down that path. I respect you and I love you, but I am not going to hell with you. I am going to take you up out of this thing. And if you don't want to go, then I'm going to go without you. Are you all all right with that? I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to forsake your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your best friend, the person who you listen to all the time. If you're gonna follow Jesus, you gotta listen to him about all those things. All right, so here's what Psalmist says. Psalm 16, verse 11 says this about about joy. Here's what he says. He says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, here's what I pray. Here's what I prayed yesterday. This is special for all of you watching this online, which is about 80, 90% of our congregation is online with us. There is a difference in the feeling of the presence of God in a congregational setting, which I think you all experienced in the worship experience here, and in your house when worship is going on. Would y'all agree with that? I mean, there's, I mean we, don't, we don't need to be around the bush. It's, it's hard, and you guys know this, it's hard to cultivate the same experience of worship in your home as it is in the sanctuary because you've got this corporate thing going on. You've got a bunch of people worshiping together. The sound is more, it's a little bit more vibrant. It's more, you can't hear yourself sing. When you can hear yourself sing, you start to sing lower because <laughs> you don't sound good. When you can't hear yourself sing, you just bellow that thing out like you're the best singer that ever lived. And nobody can hear you, so nobody cares. But when you're sitting in your house, you know, this is, when you're sitting in your house, you don't want to let your family know how bad a singer you are, so you, you just watch it. Here's how I've over, here's the way to overcome that turn the volume up. put it on your TV, cast it to your TV, turn the speakers up so loud that your neighbors can hear it and then start singing. You'll probably sing louder, but here's what the point. you need the presence of God as much in your home as you do in the church. You need the presence of God in your home as much as you do in the church. How are you going to get it? you're going have to, you're going to have to usher it in through your through your Change of influence You're gonna to have to learn to worship God in your home You're gonna to have to learn to read the Bible in your home You have to learn to pray in your home You're gonna to have to learn to walk around like I did yesterday With nobody in this room No music to gy- you know get me all jazzed up Silence in this room Nobody seeing it And just start worshiping God Just start praising him And you're gonna to have to say God, bring your presence into my life Because in your presence Look at this There's fullness of joy The second thing is you've got to get your thought life under control. Now, what goes on between your ears is where the war is. The battle is going on there. Sometimes you're lying at home, you're thinking, and all you can think about is bad news. So 2 Corinthians addresses this, and this is what he says. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? A stronghold is a, is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness, where your mindset is impregnated with hopelessness because of your circumstances, and it builds a garrison around your thoughts to seal in hopelessness and seal out God. That's a stronghold. And he's saying you've got to learn how to pull that down, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is something I've learned every day. got to pray this because I don't know about you, but my biggest enemy is in my thoughts. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are having some bad thoughts right now. And, and here's the thing. The thoughts... Many times, determine your life. As you, a man thinketh, so is he. You are a byproduct of how you process thoughts. So you've got to get the victory in this, in this thought realm. Now, I've talked with counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists. I was a psychology major in college. I, I kind of get into the way people think. I like to, to think, of, to kind of study that a little bit, the way the mind works. And what I've learned through all these people, they all say the same thing that depression, people get depressed. While some of it is genetic, a lot of it is this thing called ruminating. Ruminating, ruminating. What is ruminating? If I, the best way to describe it is a, a cow chewing cud. Have you ever seen a cow chewing cud? You don't even know this goes on because most, most of you aren't farmers, but I was a farmer and I used to raise cows. And so cows, they, they eat the grass, they chew at it. Harj, come on, somebody. Y'all haven't heard that in a while. They chew it and then they swallow it, and and this is a little this is a little gross that they regurgitate it and chew it again. And this process is called ruminating. This is what happens in our thoughts. We think negative thoughts, we swallow them, and then we regurgitate them back again at another time, and we start thinking about them all over. Ruminating and rumination determines many times the state of your mind. And if you're spending a lot of time just laying in the bed or sitting around or thinking all these negative thoughts, eventually it will steal your joy. So you've got to start changing what you ruminate on. All right, so let's go back in time a few thousand years ago, Joshua. Joshua is the leader of Israel. He's just taken the lead from Moses, who is the Old Testament person who took them out of, the, out of captivity, took them through the desert up to the very brink of the promised land, and then he now is transitioning his leadership to Joshua, and God is now about to release Joshua to take the people into the promises of God where they've never been in thousands of, hundreds of years, and they're about to enter into this promised land. They're going to have to go through some really difficult times to get to the promises of God. So he's preparing the leader, Joshua, who's a type and example of every believer, and he's saying to Joshua, get this, Joshua, before you go in, before you take the people in, before you lead the people forward, get this if you get nothing else. Here's what he says. This book of the law, talking about the Bible, shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, you shall never stop speaking the word of God. No matter what you're going through, you've got to keep speaking the word. But you shall meditate in it, day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now check this out. He just made a promise to all of us. If you can meditate in the word of God day and night, you can get in the word. You can read it in the morning, read it in the night, ruminate over it, meditate on it, confess it, learn that the word is what you can trust in You can't trust in politicians. You can't trust in the news media. You can't even trust in preachers. But you can trust in the word of the living God. And if you put the word of God in you day and night and you ruminate in it, you will be successful and you will prosper. You will make it through whatever you are going through. Are you following me? So no matter how difficult life seems, God's promise is true no matter what everybody says. Let God be true and every man a liar. And the currency of today is not money, it's not even time. The currency today is trust. What can I trust in? I can't trust in man, I can't trust in the society, I can't trust in what's going on, but what I can trust in is the word of God. The word I can stand on, I can trust in, and if I put that inside of me, it transforms my mind so I start thinking like Christ. I get the heart of God, the mind of Christ, and then finally I've got to learn to rejoice in spite of how I feel. Oh. Oh. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just take a moment and just think about that. Rejoice in spite of how I feel. How are you doing with that? When you feel down. Do you rejoice? Rejoice means when you started to lose your joy, you rejoice. Now check this out, check this out. All my Anglo-Saxon folks, listen to me carefully. Few and far between. Let me, let me talk to you for just a moment. What have you, what, there's one thing that I've learned in the minority of America, especially the black minority of America that has transformed the way I think about this particular subject. I think back and people say, why, why do blacks, particularly blacks, and Hispanics too, worship so differently than whites? Why do they worship? You know, Generally speaking, if you go into a black church, you are celebrating God. There ain't no mourning in that, in that, that deal. You know what I'm talking about? They're dancing, they're singing, there's tambourines playing. There's everything going on at one time. Majority of white churches, majority, Love you, Jesus, love you. Now, the younger generation, the Hillsong generation, they're up there, they're dancing, they're singing, because they kind of it's their style of music, generally speaking. But people have wondered, why is it that you see minorities worship like they do? And, and especially, especially with all the stuff that goes on in their life, all the challenges that they have, economic challenges, the racial challenges, all these things that they challenge. And I think back, I think back, and the Lord took me back and said, what if you were a slave? Take yourself back to slavery days, where every day you wake up and you know life is gonna be rough. You're under the ownership of another race. You're treated like an animal. You're separated from your family. There's nothing about the day that's going to be very pleasant. You're going to be really having a rough time of it for the rest of your life. There is no hope. There is no future. There is nothing. The only thing you have to look forward to is there's one day, Sunday, where they allow you to worship God, where they allow you to go to church and have services. You wonder, you wonder white people wonder, why do blacks worship so long? Why do they go so long in their services? Because they wanna be in the midst of that joy as long as they can. They wanna saturate in that. I, I mean, I'm just telling you, we like, whites, we like to get it done in an hour. We want in and out, out, we're done. Where's the football game? Where's the, you know, I'm, a, where I'm gonna cook something. But black folk, they're used to long church services. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you black folk came to here, and you're like, man, you guys get it done in here. I'm used to going all day. They would go to church in the morning. They'd break for lunch, and then they'd come back to church in the afternoon. I'm telling you, it was an all-day affair. Because it was the one day, <sighs> I can just release all this to Lord, the to Lord and just rejoice that no matter what is happening to me, you are my God. And you are the God who sustains me through this trouble. Are you following this? What if everybody could do that? What if all of you young people could learn to do that when you start getting depressed about a social media post that you don't like or an elected official that you don't like and you're depressed about something that's happening in society? Why don't you stop putting all your emotion in all that and just stand before the Lord sometimes when things are going rough. In fact, can I just say this to you, all of you that are watching us online, and all of you that are at Hamilton Mill, Midtown, we're gonna take a praise break right now. In fact, could I do? Could I get you to stand up, everybody, everybody including Norcross, could I get you to stand up to your feet? <laughs> now, please bear with me for a moment, because I'm gonna talk again to the online crowd, because it's, it's 90% of our, our people right here online. Stand up. Get up out of the sofa. The lazy boy. Rise to your feet. Some of you. Get up. Get up. And the reason I say that, the reason I say, I know, I know you're. Get up. Because we're, we're going to have a praise break. And right there in your home. I want, you, I want you to turn the volume up a little bit. Could you turn it up a little bit? Turn it up. Put your earphones on. Whatever you have to do, just turn it up. Because we're going to go for it just right now. Because I want to I teach, just for a moment, I want you to put your, put your stuff to the side. Put it on the shelf. Just kind of shake your hands like this. Just shake it off. You know what I'm talking about? Just shake it off. Sometimes you just got to walk around and go, shake it off. Shake this thing off. Everybody's dying from COVID-19. Shake it off. Lost my job. Shake it off. Just just, just, just don't know what's gonna happen in the future. Just shake it off. Sometimes you gotta, come on in your house, shake it off, just shake it off. And then lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, just begin to lift it up. And just begin to praise Him right now. Sometimes you just gotta praise Him in spite of how you feel. Sometimes you've got to let Him know how much you believe in Him and love Him and praise Him, even if you don't got music, even if you don't got somebody cheering you on. God, we praise Come on, let's give Him praise. Come on, let's give Him praise. Let's give Him praise. Let's give Him praise. Everybody in the house, let everything that has breath in you, let everything that has breath in you give all the praise. Come on, give Him all the praise and the glory in Jesus.